So it's important, guys, that, that, that we remember this principle. We have to study. The Bible says study to show yourself approved unto God, right? Which is our, our responsibility. But then we always have to leave a door open for him to move, right? So we make notes. We prepare songs. But then we're willing and ready to do anything that the Lord says, do this, do that, go this way, turn to the left, turn to the right. And so, thank you for being open, staying open. 1 Corinthians, here's our first scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 13. Today, we're going to talk about standing firm, or stand firm. It says, be on your guard and stand firm. Stand firm in the faith. Underline those words, stand firm. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. In order to stand firm, you have to be courageous, right? Be strong. You need to be strengthened. As we're taking courage, we're strengthened to stand firm in the faith. But then look at this, 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 this very last phrase here. Do everything in love. You know, we're supposed to be firm, stand strong, take courage, but at the same time, be in love. Do everything in love. And so today from this message, here's what I want you to get. I'm going to tell you, and then I'm going to tell you, and then I'm going to tell you what I told you. I want you to be prepared to stand. Be prepared to stand. We're in a dilemma in these days. We're in a dilemma, just like Daniel was in a dilemma in his day. He was faced, faced with oppositions. Oppositions come from culture. Oppositions come from the world. Last week we talked about the Babylon mentality and how Babylon was totally against God. But, but God had established himself in Daniel because Daniel chose to be a worshiper of God and Daniel was able to stand firm and stand strong in the middle of a culture in the middle of a world that was totally against him and so today that's what we need to take out of here that should be our takeaway but you know there's two predominant thoughts in in our you know in our environment here um, in Christendom as Christians, there's two predominant thoughts. You know, I stand for God and I know that the world's going to hate me, but I'm just going to be tough about it anyway. They're going to hate me. They hated Jesus. And so that's the way it is. Or there's the other thought of, well, you know, the world's changing. And so we have to kind of rearrange the Bible here and become a little bit more flimsy and flabby. And grace needs to be a little bit more uh, uh, palatable so that everybody can like us. No, there's a balance there. There's a balance between the grace of God and the truth of God. We said last week that truth without grace is mean. It's just mean. But grace without truth is meaningless. It's meaningless. And so we're seeing how we can balance that truth and grace. God's standard his word, but also his favor, his favor. He gives, he gives his love freely to you because you could never do anything to deserve it. He loves you so much. You could never do anything to deserve it. So God is a God of truth and God is a God of grace. And truth and grace are part of God. So we looked at the spirit of Babylon and how it has overtaken the world. And it's nothing new, guys. We shouldn't be shocked about the things that are going on in the world today. You know, maybe it's increased, 
Maybe the volume's turned up a little bit, but uh, it's still the same spirit, right? It's the spirit that is against God. And so we have to deal with that. Daniel dealt with that in his lifetime. And so, you know, God's going to judge that spirit of Jezebel, that Babylon spirit, in, it says in the book of Revelation. It's going to be judged. And, and we can even see that spirit of, of Jezebel, the spirit of Babylon, the spirit of the world in the church. And, and we can see it operating, that, that people have that Babylon mentality. Because, you know, the devil, let's just admit it, the devil doesn't come up to you and say, hey, I'm the devil and I'm going to take over your life. You know, he comes in there subtly. He, 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 he eases his way. You know, it, he, he'll, he'll move into your car. And if you don't eject him and tell him to leave, then he'll just stay there. And then if riding in your car with you is not enough, he'll move into your house with you. And if, if you don't eject him out of there, then he'll just stay there, right? And so, you know, the enemy loves to just creep into your life. And see... This is what happened um, in, in Daniel's life. Look over in Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3. Now, I've been studying a little bit about men and women who were persecuted for their faith. And men and women who stood for God in times of uh, testing, great challenges and testing. And one of them is Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Bonhoeffer was uh, standing up against the Nazi regime because there was to be no preaching of the gospel and this man was called as a preacher and, and you know, they were, they were murdering Christians and other people, Jews, you know, specifically, the, the Nazis were. Um, and, and Dietrich Bonhoeffer was arrested for preaching and they hung him for his faith. They hung him for his faith. But here's a quote from him. He said, tell my family that I'm getting ready to die. My end is coming. And my new life is beginning. He stood strong in the face of persecution. And he stood strong in faith. Another one was Martin Luther King. You know, he took courage and he stood. He stood for God in and, and, and a time where there was people that were, were unjust and, and critical and criticizing him. And he really stood for it. Now, some people will say, well, this is just political. It was all political. No, I believe that he had a deep, a deep sense of God, and God was using him to stand against it. So there are people that have been uh, from, from time past, from Daniel until now. Guys, God's calling us, Lifeway Church, to stand up and stand firm and stand strong. Look at Daniel chapter 3. Here's how it happens. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold. 60 cubits high and 6 cubits wide and set up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then he summoned the satraps, the prefects, the governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image, image that he had set up. So the satraps, the prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials, all the top dogs... Assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up and they stood before it. See, the culture around us, the world sets up images. There's two things. They set up images and they set up sounds. The enemy moves in with images and with sounds. Look at this. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, Nations and peoples of every language 
I was doing an imitation of the herald. <laughs> Nations and peoples of every language, this is what you're commanded to do. Let me just pause right there and tell you that the world will bring you to the place where it wants you to think that you must do this thing or you're going to lose it all. It commands you to do something or else you're going to lose everything. So the herald commanded the nations and peoples of every language to do this. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, the sound, the image and the sound. Everybody say image and sound. This is how the enemy works, brings images and sounds to us to get us to bow down to their God, right? So as soon as you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound... Of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, and all kinds of music, all the nations and peoples of every language fell down and worshipped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So, the world is trying to get everyone to worship their God. And it hides their God, the, the, the Babylonian God, in images and sounds trying to get you acclimated to it enough to bow down and worship it. Worship it. Be aware of what you're hearing and seeing. Be aware of the things that you hear and that you see. Where you spend your time. Because, listen, we are all bowing down to something. Whatever do dominates our time, whatever dominates our, our eyes and ears, controls us, right? We live in a toxic culture, guys, and it's very evident today. I think this is, this is becoming more evident that there, there, are, there are groups of people who love God, different groups of people who love God and have different positions on things, and they get to a place of of sheer hatred of each other. And they fall for what the culture pushes them into. This worship of, of hatred. I mean, just being against everything. Against everything. Filled with hatred. Filled with rage. Culture, remember, culture commands you to do something at the risk of losing everything. That's what this story... And now we're, we're talking about, obviously, when Daniel was, was faced with the fiery furnace. And he was being brought to the fiery furnace. So he was having to take a stand against their commands. So culture pushes you to fall. It pushes you to compromise your standard. A little here... And a little there. This is how it works when you're on the job. When your boss asks you to lie. Just lie about that report so that our group, our team looks good. 
Or they say, you know, you have to make your sales numbers, so whatever you have to do to get the sales, meaning compromise, compromise your standard. In other words, the pressure of the world is trying to push on you to get you to do what is not your standard to do, right? So we all face these. But we have to take courage and we have to stand. Listen, courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is standing firm in spite of my fear. Right? When we stand firm in spite of the fear, in the face of fear, when we stand firm, something powerful happens. Look at Daniel chapter 3 and verse 12. Daniel 3 and 12. This is what came back to Nebuchadnezzar. The word that came back to Nebuchadnezzar. But there are some Jews whom you set over the affairs of the providence of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold that you have set up. Number one. Standing firm takes faith. Standing firm takes faith. If you read down about four, four verses after that, Daniel 3.16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not worried about what will happen to us. <laughs> you know, back to the way that the world works, whatever we give our attention to, we bow down to, these sounds and these images. The world is producing, producing fear like never before. Fear, they are peddling fear through our technological channels faster than we know what's happening. And I think the body of Christ really needs to wake up and realize that we should not enter in to this worry Worry will stop your faith. This is why the uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego says, we are not worried. We are not worried about what, what will happen to us. Listen, the word hype is real in the day that we live in. People have, people have used the term fake news. Well, you know, if, if I have an award-winning um, weather team and there's a storm coming, I'm going to stop the TV and I'm going to tell you how bad this storm is to get everybody's attention. You Listen, there's a reason that they hype it up because so many people are distracted that, I mean, you know, it's almost like somebody driving down the road with earplugs in and their music boosted all the way up, having a conversation and hearing the boom, 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 and then an ambulance coming down the road trying to save someone's life, and, and you're sitting in the way. That's where we are today in the culture that we live in. It is so noisy that there's so much noise going on that to get over that noise, people have to hype everything up, which creates a lot more fear. I'm afraid of this and afraid of that. And I'm, a, I'm afraid of the ticks and I'm afraid of the lettuce and I'm a, 
afraid of the stock market, and I'm afraid of the immigration, and I'm afraid, I mean, afraid, 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 afraid. Where does it stop? With God. Worshiping God. Worshiping God turns worry into peace. Worshiping God turns worry into peace. And as Christians, listen, we're in a win-win situation. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, listen, you don't worry us. You don't worry us. The, the real truth is the world is creating emotions so people will stay tuned. They're always making something bigger and better than it is. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't be aware of what's going on. But there's a, there's a limit there, guys. It's time to stop, drop, and pray. Standing firm, number two, takes courage. Daniel 3.17. We're going to read 3.17 and 18 from the Living Bible. Here's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego says. Listen, if we are thrown into the flaming furnace, our God is able to deliver us. How about that? Our God is able to deliver us. And he will deliver us out of your hand, your majesty. But if he doesn't, please understand, sir... That even we will, even then, we will never under any circumstance serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have erected. Something very interesting in that passage. They address Nebuchadnezzar as your majesty and they use the term sir. Even, now we're going to get into this more next week, but I want to I hit on it right now. Even though they were taking a stand for God, they were not standing against so much, in so many words, against what was going on. Amen. Right? And so let, let's don't be a church that is against stuff or people. Let's be a church that's for God. You know, there's enough hostility in the earth that we as the church don't need to add to it. And, and the point is, really, if you don't stand for something, you're going to fall for anything. Listen, I don't hate the culture. I don't hate political parties. I don't hate group of people, groups of people. I don't, I don't even hate people that do bad. I love God. And I stand, I stand for the goodness of God. Look at verse, verses 19 through 25. 19 through 25. Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury, and the expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He spoke and commanded that they heat up the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. And he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats and their trousers, their turbans and their other garments, and they were cast into the midst of the fiery furnace. Therefore, because of the king's command was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire 
killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound in the midst of the burning fiery furnace. And then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. And he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. And then verse 25, he says, Look, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they're not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. <laughs> How about that? The fourth man that showed up was Jesus. It's a Christophany in theological terms. It's when Jesus appeared on earth before he was born of a virgin. He appeared on earth. And I'm not sure how that happened, but I, I, I truly believe that, you know, Jesus was probably saying to the Father, you know, I think I'm going to go up here and, and stir up old King Nebuchadnezzar. And, and sure enough, this is what happened. So let's keep reading verse 26. Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spoke, saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. And then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire. Listen, when Nebuchadnezzar declared that the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was the Most High God, there was a conversion that took place. There was a conversion that took place. Listen, the whole thing to get out of this episode was that God will rescue you so you don't even have to smell like smoke. If you stand for him, if you stand in faith and you, and you take courage, standing firm, number three, inspires others. It inspires others. We're going to read from Daniel 3.28. Keep reading here. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now he's praising God. Before he's wanting them to bow down to a, a golden image, and now he's praising God. Who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives. Rather than serve or worship any, any god except their own god. Therefore, I decree... That the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces. And their houses be turned into piles of rubble. Now, <laughs> even though Nebuchadnezzar was converted, he still had not developed in his discipleship yet. <laughs> he was just going to wipe them all out. For no other God can save in this way. And to that he was right. And then the king promoted Underline the word promoted there in your notes or in your Bible. The king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Listen, God can promote you, but you have to stand for him. And your promotion will influence others. Standing for God always brings promotion. And listen, we should be people that stand for something, not against something. Except the devil, right? The Bible teaches us to stand against the devil. But we don't stand against people. God loves people. And he wants us to love people too, but we need to stand for him. There's three things that we need to stand for that are there in your notes. Number one, stand in prayer. 
Stand in prayer. Ephesians 6, 11 says, Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. So we have to do something in order to stand. Listen, the armor helps you to stand. So we can say it the other way too. If you don't put on your armor, then you're not really able to stand against the devil's schemes and plans, right? As Christians, we, we, we have to wake up knowing that there's a suit of armor that our Father provided for us and that when we put that armor on, and it, it, it needs to be deliberate. We need to know who we are in Christ and the things that are available to us in Christ and put those on daily, daily, so that we can stand for God in this world that we're living in. We have to be, we have to be uh, loud and not quiet or passive. Do you know if you're going to battle, you know, the, 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 there's a battle cry. Now, our battle cry is we are victorious, and in him we can do all things, right? That is our cry. We're not, we're not big and bad in ourself. We can't take... We, we couldn't even t take a small demon down by ourselves, But in the armor of God, you have supernatural ability that you don't have outside the armor of God. We have to put on the full armor of God. And that happens in prayer. Look at Ephesians 6, 13. Just a couple of verses down. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day, evil day comes, and the evil day will come, and when that evil day comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you having done everything to stand, then stand firm. Stand firm. So in prayer, we stand firm. A lack of prayer causes us to fall. Number two, we have to stand for our purpose. Stand for my purpose. My purpose or the purpose of, of God for your life. Listen, when you discover that God has a purpose for your life, all of hell will do all that it can do to try to throw you off course. Everything that the devil can do, he will try on you to throw you off of that plan and that course, that purpose for your life. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give your, yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. When you connect with the purpose of God for your life, what you begin to do, you do as unto the Lord. That was pretty weak. Let, let, me, let me say it over on this side here. Whenever you discover your purpose from God, God has a purpose for your life, and you begin to do what you do for God, I'll just be bold enough to say this. You quit complaining about your job that you have. Because, because you're working for a new employer. You're working for the Lord. And if the employer you have is taking advantage of you, the Lord may move you to another place. But you have to keep your attitude right. Remember, remember it's, just, it's just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They, they weren't being controlled by Nebuchadnezzar. They were being controlled by who? By God. And so God took them out of the fiery furnace. Maybe your job feels like a fiery furnace sometimes. God will preserve you in that 
and promote you out of that. If you keep your attitude right. But see, notice the first thing. First thing first. First thing first. You have to stand in prayer. And then you have to stand in your purpose. You know, discovering your purpose comes through prayer. Right? And there's times where we do our work and we're working and it's not so much for the Lord and it's like, ah, this really doesn't make a difference here and I'm really not doing anything. And the, the Lord takes, in prayer, the Lord will take you back to, listen, who are you doing this for? I'm doing this for you, Lord. Okay. All right. I will preserve you and I will promote you. Preserve and promote. Write those two words down. Preserve. He preserves you and he will promote you. As you stand in prayer and you stand for your purpose. Listen, you need to know that your labor for the Lord is not in vain. Take that verse for yourself. Take it, write it down, memorize it, repeat it, and then do it again. The third point here is to stand for God. So stand in prayer, stand for your purpose, and then stand for God. Matthew 10.32. In the Message Bible says, Stand up for me. This is Jesus talking. Stand up for me against the world opinion. And I'll stand up for you before my Father in heaven. You know, the King James says, Confess him before men and he will confess you. Confess me before men and I will confess you before my Father which is in heaven. The Message says, Stand up. For me against the world opinion and I'll stand up for you before my Father in heaven. Listen, Jesus will stand up with you. He will stand up with you. But there are places in the New Testament where we're, we're reading in Colossians, Colossians 3.1 is one of them, where Christ is seated at the right hand. Right? Christ is seated at the right hand of God. We see other scriptures where Christ is seated. But look at this. Notice this in Acts chapter 7, verses 55 and 56. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God. And Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Now Stephen was the first martyr who stood for God. And was killed for his faith. But he was standing. And as he looked. And he was standing for God. He saw Jesus. And Jesus was standing. Jesus was standing. So as you stand for God. Listen. The last couple of blanks there. When I stand. Jesus stands with me. <laughs> when I stand. When you stand. Jesus stands with us. We can stand because he stands. We can stand because he stands.